0: What's up? It's episode 52, Pain Points of Wealth. And we are officially in the fall season. Labor Day is behind us. And now they're using cryptocurrency apparently in El Salvador as one of their primary currencies. The world's getting crazy as always. And we're starting to see a little bit of a slowdown in the economy. If you looked at the employment numbers that came out while we're recording this, they came in weaker than expected. There's a lot of economists, a lot of strategists right now that believe we're going to an economic slowdown. We're going to give you the truth today. We're going to tell you what's really going on with the economy, how to invest your money. And on the tipping point today, we're going to play a little bit of financial jeopardy. We're going to talk about some financial terms you need to understand if you're going to get on your path to financial independence. We've got a great show.
1: Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between.
2: Now, we keep talking about how Everything is forward looking. Everything's priced in the market. And you know why, guys? The market is a leading economic indicator. It's the one indicator that tells you which way is the economy going. You know what? Actually, Rye, it's my number two favorite indicator. My number one favorite indicator now is how many vacations Chris has taken so far this year. That's when you know the economy is good. Well, I'm happy to say that I am back at least for a little while.
3: Ryan is forcing me to go to Miami in a couple weeks. So what can I say? Ryan forces me to go away. There you go.
0: Stock market new high. Chris in Miami. Everything's looking rosy, guys. It's looking really rosy. And I mean, we have to give credit where credit's due. You know, our firm paying capital to management. We hit a big number. We hit a billion dollars in assets under management. So congratulations! And we're taking our team down to Miami to celebrate because we hit our certain number from two years ago when measuring how well the firm's done. So we've hit some milestones, which is very very cool. But you know, look, there's so many reasons why every strategist. Every economist on Wall Street right now says we have to have a stock market correction, which is a euphemism for the market's going to crash. And you know, everything sounds very rational. Like, you know, we're at the peak of stimulus. We're probably not going to see that much more stimulus from the government, the Fed, earnings, economic growth is going to start to slow down from here. There's just so many
2: reasons. Well, first of all, yeah, every economist reads the same thing, says the same things. And the one thing I've been hearing a lot of lately. Is that it's September, so the market has to go down because that's a weak month. I don't know, how long have we been on this calendar? 400, 500 years? I think if everybody knows that September's a weak month, don't you think somebody would gain that and run ahead of it? You would think, Bob, but you know, Chris is more into astrological charts when it comes to figuring
0: out what the market's gonna do month to month. But yeah, seasonality. It works sometimes, right? It doesn't work all the time. It's just amazing how everyone on Wall Street right now is just like, they want a correction so, so bad. And like we've said on this podcast before, they're probably not going to get it.
3: It's not just the analysts on Wall Street, guys. It's also our clients. You know, I talk to probably 15, 20 clients a week, and everybody's saying the same thing We're going to have a correction. Do you think we should get into cash? When it's going to happen, so we have some dry powder, we can reinvest when the market's low. But, The reality is, is that probably won't happen.
2: Well, you know, as Ryan always says, what market? Which one are you talking about? Which one's going to go down the most? REITs, international, emerging markets, small cap value, large cap growth. I mean, my goodness. We just reviewed a case the other day, Chris. They have $11 million invested, not a penny in real estate, which is up 32% year to date. Ouch. Yeah, not a penny in small cap value either, Dad. Yes. Only the best performing asset class in their lifetime. You know, obviously, diversification is critical, right? There's
0: a lot of different asset classes this year that have done really well. And if the market sells off, again, not every asset class or investment is going to react the same way. So that's one thing you want to think about. But the other thing to think about here is, look, it's really simple right now. Yeah, look, you don't need to be an MBA from the warden school to figure out what's going on right now, why the market's probably going to still go higher. There's just so much money out there right now that's been printed around the world. It's like almost impossible to make this market sell off significantly.
2: Well, I saw that stat the other day of all the central banks, of all the money printing they've done around the globe. It's actually 25% of global GDP. Just think about how significant that is. You know, there's nowhere in the world for that money. That's why we have this. There is no alternative. You got interest rates are still low. Actually, they're starting to creep up a little bit, guys. But no wonder hard assets like commodities and houses and soft assets like stocks and bonds are going up almost every day. There's cash inflowing almost by the second. Yeah, as a matter of
3: fact, I was talking to a client of mine last night, and he told me that he had a substantial amount of cash on the sidelines, and he usually does. And I was like, oh, what do you have, like you know, $50,000, $100,000? He told me he had $400,000 sitting in their money market account. I said to him, I said, look, that money is getting less than 1%. We need to get that invested. Are you crazy? Not even less than one percent is getting one basis point, Chris, and that's one one hundredth
0: of one percent for those of you don't know what a basis point is. Yeah, and just to give—I mean, again, talk about a quarter. Bob just put this in plain English: It's thirty-two trillion dollars of fiscal and monetary stimulus has been created since the pandemic started. Thirty-two trillion dollars. Now, all the global GDP in the world every year, something like ninety-three trillion dollars. So, think about that. Think about supercharging the entire global economy. It's basically on steroids right now. So, it's almost laughable that any economist or strategist would think we're going to get some sort of real sell off because you're just fighting the most powerful force
2: of monetary and fiscal policy we've ever seen, literally ever. Well, that's why we're going to have big bubbles in certain areas of the economy. We have big bubbles going on right now. You don't know when they're going to burst, but see, that's just human nature. I have money to invest. What do I put my money in? Oh, whatever went up the most in the last 12 months? Was it the ARC fund? Was it a SPAC? Was it a dodgy coin? Dog coin or cat coin, I don't even know what they are anymore. Hey, how about crypto, guys? It had a bear market and a correction all in one day. Went down 18% and then settled down 10% at the end of the trading day. Man, I'll tell you what, if that's not a stable investment, I don't know what is. Well, now that El Salvador has decided to actually recognize it as legal tender, that's it.
0: Legitimacy is here, guys. You know, six million people in a country that, by the way, most of the money is done in cash. 80% of that economy, none of that money goes through the banking system at all. So that's really a game changer right now. And worse, on the day that they started using it as legal tender, Bitcoin went down something like 12%, just reminding us that it's an insanely speculative investment, not a stable currency. Right. So I think what I hear you
2: saying is that we need to go all in on Bitcoin. Is that right? No, no, no. I only invest in Bobcoin. We know that already. Well, you know, we have crypto, which we beat up all the time. But the big thing, the big news, I think, is the great labor shortage that's upon us right now. We had Jobs come in very disappointing last week. I mean, what's that say to you guys? I think a lot of people are still sitting at home, collecting their unemployment benefits, but also,
0: you know, you can't really discount the whole Delta variant. You know, it did keep businesses shut down. If you look at like leisure, hospitality, where we've seen a lot of job growth, it kind of came to a standstill just because a lot of businesses couldn't operate. But again, these are short term issues. And the market's looking well beyond that, Bob, to your point. It's looking way into the future. And what the future is telling us is all that's going to subside. And again, thank you, central banks, for making so much money, printing so much cash. We're all benefiting from an amazing way. It's just going to keep everything going higher.
2: I was just out uh, to dinner with a bunch of business owners and uh, just this past Labor Day weekend. And they said that day, the Monday of Labor Day, they got more applications than they did all summer. So I guess it's people are starting to realize that their benefits are going to run out. They need to do something to be able to pay their bills. Well, that's really interesting. That's a big contrast from our podcast from two weeks ago,
3: where we talked to some of your business owner friends, and they said they hadn't received any applications. So now the, I think there's definitely a great rotation in job applications, it sounds like.
2: Hey, don't forget, guys. You know We're in September, right? Every economist, every strategist, every talking head on Wall Street says, coming into the week period of the year. So as Mark Twain always reminds us, Is that September is the weakest month of the year to invest. The others are October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Hey, don't sit in cash. If you're not long, you're definitely wrong. Hey, I
0: hope you're enjoying episode 51 Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, maybe you even love our content. Don't be shy. Click on that like button. If you see this on iTunes, give us a five-star rating, leave us some comments. And if this is on YouTube right now, you can click the like button, subscribe. And if you click that little notification bell, every week you will be notified of every new show because every week we have a new no pain, no gain. You don't want to miss it. All right, gentlemen, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint The pain point, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, in the spirit of one of America's favorite game shows, Jeopardy, and I remember Chris, when we were kids, our grandparents would jack up the volume to listen to Jeopardy to 11, (laughs) because as they were losing their hearing, it was always a big fan of Alex Trebek. So I thought we could play our own little game of financial Jeopardy and talk about some really critical financial terms that all our listeners really need to understand. So, in the spirit of Jeopardy, I'm going to give you the answer and you're going to follow up with a question and you can, of course, expound on that question. So, the first one is the answer is known by many for its high fees, lack of liquidity, and misleading promises. This financial product gives the financial services world a bad name.
2: Hey, Ryan, I'm going to take a wild stab at this. What is an annuity? And Bob is correct. You know, I think it's amazing the type of advertising that's allowed. On national television by these insurance companies. See, we're regulated by the Securities Exchange Commission. We're not allowed to make false promises or talk about performance. You know, they're able to say whatever they want. And it's amazing how they mislead the public with, you know, number one, it is illiquid. Number two, the fees are very high and the performance is horrendous. But they tell everybody it's no cost, high returns, right? Plenty of transparency, plenty of liquidity. Absolutely false. And they're able to advertise every single day. And they must be selling a lot of them because national advertising costs a lot of money.
3: And Dad, over the weekend, you and I had actually looked at annuity and one of the features of it was that you get a 10% signing bonus. So my question would be ask the salesman is can I take that 10% right away? The answer is probably no. It goes into that phantom cash flow.
0: Whenever you have an investment that has a phantom cash flow and using the word phantom, like that has to be a red
2: flag. Am I missing something? Well, that's the problem. You know, they're basically giving you a 10% credit to the balance that you actually base your withdrawals on. And it's misleading because on television, they tell you it's return. It's not a return. It's not yield. It's just adding money to, as you say, Rye, your phantom balance. So you're actually for the first 5, 10, 15, 20 years of the life of your investment, they're basically sending your own money back to you. And the average return on most of these investments has been about 1% over your lifetime. Bob, I think my favorite
0: metaphor of all time is your metaphor. You know, When you buy an annuity, it's like eating Chinese food. Tastes so good going down, but you feel so empty later. All right, gentlemen, answer. This requires a financial advisor to put his client's best interest before his own or her own. Unfortunately, not all financial professionals are governed by it. Well, it seems like everybody should follow this, but I think the answer to this is, what is a fiduciary?
2: Chris, I think you were cheating. I think you saw my notes. You know, what an amazing idea. You have banks, insurance companies, big mutual fund companies, wirehouses, all fighting the government to prevent them from having to live up to the fiduciary standard. They don't want to put your interest first. Chris, we just worked on a case that had their account on Fidelity. 100% of their investments were invested in Fidelity funds. Man, if that's not a conflict of interest, I don't know what
3: is. What a shocker. I can't imagine why they put them in those Fidelity funds. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that they make more
0: money. Chris, you're such a cynic. But it's true. We actually are an industry that actually protects the financial services world from you, right? Like, this is one of the only industries in the world. If you go to Europe, you go anywhere else in the world, the fiduciary standard is actually the way you do business. But here in the US, the lobbying groups, to your point, Bob, are so powerful that for the most part, Wall Street financial services firms don't have to work or act in your best interest, which is actually mind blowing. And that's why it's so important nowadays if you are going to work with a financial professional. Just ask them, are you a fiduciary? And if they're not, as we like to
2: say, don't walk away, run away from that conversation. Let's face it, guys, the industry is dominated by big corporations and they have shareholders to take care of. So when they come to that fork in the road where they have a choice, do we meet our fiduciary responsibility and do what's in the best interest of our client? Or do we come to that profit motive? You know, do we do what's in the best interest of the company, of the shareholders, of the owners? You know what the answer is. The investor loses every single time.
0: All right, guys, next answer. This financial phenomenon is thought by some to be eminent and by others to be far off in the distance. But there's no denying that it will be back eventually. What is a market correction? Someone stole my answers. Bob, you're right again. I don't believe you could have gotten that answer on your own. Yeah, Ryan's so cynical. He thinks everybody's always cheating.
2: But a correction is definitely a nice word for a market crash. One of the things that we know about market corrections is they're a natural part of investing. But more money is lost trying to predict and gain the oncoming correction than there is actually experiencing the correction and then investing through it. You know, just take this year for instance. Anybody who wants the cash any time in the last eight months has missed out on big returns. You can't time the markets. It's real simple, guys. It's time in the markets. That's the key. Time and patience. Well,
0: it goes back to one of my favorite quotes: of the market spends most of the time trying to confound the majority." Right, and I think the one thing that we talk about all the time is there's known unknowns. And unknown unknowns. And a known unknown is you know, all the things that we're anticipating. And when we anticipate something, typically we're not the only one anticipating that. Like right now, everyone's anticipating that the economy is going to slow down. Everybody's anticipating that growth is not going to be as fast as it was over the last quarter, but because everyone's thinking about it, it's a non-event, and markets tend not to move on what's known. But on the flip side, like the pandemic last year is a perfect example. No one expected us to have a global shutdown overnight. And because of it, the markets literally sold off 40, 50%, depending on the market. And this is the reality of it, is
2: you can't predict the unknown unknowns. Well, the beauty of the corrections are none of them in history, not one, has ever been permanent. So all corrections, all dips, whether they're five, 10, 15, or 30%, are temporary. And you know what else? The ups are inevitable. So every decline, every bear market or correction or drop in the market has been followed by new highs. So the key is, is to have a strategy where you embrace volatility, you embrace what happens in the market. Instead of reacting or trying to outguess it, you take advantage of it. That's what the informed investor does. That's what the smart investor does.
0: Yeah. I mean, to put it to you simply, it's like when the market goes down, it's your best time to buy, not to panic out and get into cash. But of course, you need a disciplined strategy to do that. Okay, guys, last answer. Mandated by the IRS, these force retirees to drain their retirement accounts whether they want to or not. These are a tax ticking time bomb
3: or also known as what are required minimum distributions.
2: Yeah, this year, guys, we have to make RMDs for our clients because the government in all its largesse allowed us to suspend RMDs last year. It was the nicest gift I think we've ever gotten from the government. I'm surprised they actually allowed that to happen. Meanwhile, people might forget that they have to make these distributions this year. You have till the end of the year. And if you don't make it, you can have as big as a 50% penalty for not making that RMD. Well, it also speaks to, too, you know, what
0: happens is over
2: time is you put a
0: lot of money into your retirement accounts at work, and then all of a sudden it becomes a huge percentage of your net worth. So if you're in your 50s or 60s right now, you might have millions of dollars sitting in your retirement account and again, if you just wait at 72, you start taking those distribution, that's massive amounts of money that come out of these retirement plans that you have to pay massive taxes on. So you know, one of the things you want to start thinking about as someone preparing for retirement or financial independence is while taxes are still relatively low, because they may be going up next year, if I'm reading the tea leaves, maybe you start taking some of those distributions early to alleviate your tax burden later.
2: But this is when like pro-tax planning right now is so critical. Yeah, doing a Roth conversion is a brilliant strategy. It's something that everyone, you know, should at least look at and take advantage of. And, you know, when you're younger and investing right now, think about putting your contributions into a Roth 401k as opposed to a regular 401k, or put your contribution to a Roth IRA as opposed to an IRA. Tax free forever is a very compelling idea. <laughs>
0: Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast with some due diligence of your own can help you get ahead, financially speaking, at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you want a full analysis of what you're doing right now, if you've saved over $750,000, myself, Bob, and Chris will run for you our famous total financial master plan, and we'll do it at no obligation or cost. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary financial review. We literally go through every investment you have. We look at all the fees you're paying. We look at tax optimization. We do a complete savings and income plan to make sure that you're saving enough that you're going to have an income strategy when you do finally retire. And we look at all your expenses to make sure that you're on track every year with your liabilities. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary or free financial review. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 52, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content. Don't be shy. Share with your friends who might also benefit from our weekly, timely financial advice. Click on that like button. You can subscribe if you're on YouTube right now and click that notification bell so you can be updated every week of new episodes of Pain Points of Wealth. And if you're on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Give us some comments. Show us some love so we can continue to give you great content every single week. Okay, Chris and Bob, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Okay, Bob, the U.S. government spending estimates for the war in Afghanistan cost taxpayers $824.9 billion, or an average of $3.4 billion a month. Some scholars estimate that war's total cost, including caring for more than 20,000 injured veterans,
2: has already risen into the trillions. Well, of course, we should be spending a lot of money on our injured veterans. But there's one thing that I've learned, guys. Whenever the government or a home builder. Gives me an estimate. I know it's going to cost sometimes two to three times more. Bob, are you saying that the government's financially irresponsible? I'm shocked. Chris, the US population
0: increased 0.4% in 2020 to 329 million Americans, marking the slowest growth rate since 1901. A falling birth rate and an aging population could portend major implications for our economy long-term.
3: Yeah, this is definitely a problem. I mean, you've got an aging population, and then you've got less people going into the workforce, which means less taxes, more people for the government to have to support. I think people should probably start having more kids. What do you think,
0: Dad?
2: I think that's an excellent idea, but I'm going to have my first grandchild maybe in a week. Chris is going to inspire
0: us. We need to start working on that. Bob, in China, private entrepreneurial companies account for 90% of urban employment. So contrary to popular belief, it's a pretty
2: entrepreneurial, capitalistic place in China. Yeah, but it's really easy to move up in China, right? Because typically what happens when the owner becomes more successful, wealthier, and powerful, the government eliminates them. So you always want to be the second in command in one of these companies.
0: Probably the best advice we've got on this podcast today, Bob. I hope our listeners in China hear that thought. Chris, as of early August, global equity funds have seen $605 billion of inflows year to date. Now, to put that in perspective, global equity funds have seen $727 billion of accumulated inflows over the last 25 years. Therefore, in 2021 alone, there's been 40% higher inflows than the last 25 years combined. That's
2: insane. Well, boys, if that's not a melt-up, I don't know what is. Hey, guys, I tell your mom every day when she asks, why is the market up? I said, more buyers than sellers. When you see the amount of money flowing in, we've definitely have had more buyers <laughs> than sellers this year.
0: Yeah. So you know what? (laughs) Throw out all those economic forecasts and strategists that are looking for uh, down days here. Can't fight that cash flow. That's the theme of the podcast today. Another great show, gentlemen. As always, stay
1: loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management.